630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in, folks. The Colorado Avalanche Vegas Golden Knights will get underway here in moments as it is game number six from Vegas with the Knights having the chance to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal to play the Montreal Canadiens. The New York Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning are set to go in the other semifinal, which is uh, rumored to be starting on Sunday. That is according to uh, John Shannon, who's a regular contributor on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer and during our face-off shows during Oilers season and occasional guest on this show as well. But uh, NHL has not released a schedule as of yet. And uh, once they get all that figured out, the, the plan for us is to carry the Stanley Cup semifinals right here on 630 Ched, Voice of the Oilers and the NHL. NBA scoreboard tonight, the uh, Brooklyn Nets in Milwaukee taking on the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, have a 2-0 lead in that series, and the Bucks leading at the half 42 or 45-42, and the Utah Jazz look for a 2-0 lead on the LA Clippers in game two of their second round Western Conference playoff series. And in the top of the fourth, the White Sox, a 3-0 lead over the Toronto Blue Jays. Connor McDavid up for the Hart Trophy as the league's MVP up against Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the uh, and Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, who will try and lead his team to a game seven. The Edmonton Oil Kings, they had a great season again. Only 24 games, but it was nice to see them back on the ice. And their general manager uh, joins us right now, Kurt Hill, on the show. Kurt, nice to chat with you again. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, doing great. I haven't talked to you for a while. You're usually talking with Reed, so it's uh, it's nice to, you know, it's my turn. So it's good. I, I like this. So, uh, uh, yeah, I said, you know, I said 24 games. It, it's not a lot, but... Man, it was just, you know, again, it was just good to see the kids back on the ice again. Yeah, you know, again, it's uh, it's a small win for the season at the end of the day it, uh, to give the kids the opportunity to play and, uh, you know, be seen by scouts and get together and put some sort of a season together. It was, uh, it was great. We, as a league, were able to step up and do something for our players for sure. Uh, how did you find the uh, or the feedback you got from the players about the back-to-backs and the coaching staff? I mean, you had some tough back-to-backs. I mean, it's not easy to go all the way down the left ridge than, or vice versa, go there after a, after a first game. But uh, everything seemed to, you know, the go go okay. It's just, I guess, is the sacrifices you have to make. Yeah, you know, I guess in a normal season, we we get stuck with some of those sometimes too. We play at home in Medicine Hat the next night or Lethbridge the next night. So uh, something in the Western League, I think with the travel, you get uh, you get acclimatized to. But, you know, I think this year there wasn't, uh, for the players, the coaches, all of us, there wasn't much to complain about with us having an opportunity to play games and be together and doing what we love. I think that was that was enough for us. So those, uh, those long bus rides and, uh, you know, some of the quick turnarounds were well worth it for for to to be able to play this season that's for sure overall how, how do you think everything went i know health and safety protocols i think uh the oil your team did 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 good with that i know there was some you know i think the hitmen were shut down uh, at least once there were some scheduled changes uh, uh how was kind of going with the flow with the schedule and, and saying hey can you play on a thursday night instead of a saturday night that kind of deal 
Yeah, you know, in our division, it was pretty good. We had the one, well, Calgary got shut down there, and then because Medicine Hat was a close contact, they got shut down for a little bit. But other than that, uh, you know, we had no other cases. And going into the season, um, for us here, you know, we made we made the decision as an organization to keep our kids in billets. And, um, you know, to say that we thought that was going to be 100% uh, seal-proof, I, I don't think we did. You know, we knew there was going to be a risk there with, uh, you know, making our cohort even bigger with billet families and their kids and, you know, the extra the extra people that that brought into our, our group. But at the end of the day, you know, those families bought in and uh, they were local kids' parents. And, you know, to go an entire season and not uh, have any cases within our cohort was pretty pretty remarkable at the end of the day. Is it hard to swallow? I, I, I don't want to sound negative here, but I just have to ask the question. I mean, in 2020, you're, you're, you're going great and you win a central division title. The season ended, unfortunately, because of COVID. No, no chance for playoffs, uh, no chance for Memorial Cup. Same scenario here, although I think the win is you got to play a season. But at the same time, I mean, the window for this team, it was there. And unfortunately, there's no national title to compete with or a league title to compete with. How, how have you been able to kind of reconcile that uh, with uh, with yourself? And I don't know what feedback you've got from, you know, from Brad or from from your players about it. But, I mean, it's tough. But at the same time, what are you going to do? But, 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 but what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's been tough. I mean, at the end of the day, we all we all wanted to have a chance to compete, and you know, really for all for Brad and myself and this the group when we started winning here was our first season, and we got to, you know, the the Eastern Eastern Conference Final there against PA, and you know, we got pretty close to potentially winning that series, and and pretty close to making it into a WHL final, and now to have the last two seasons where we got very very competitive teams, and not have the opportunity to to play in the playoffs, it's. Uh, yeah, it's been, you know, something we've had to had to learn to live with and to say that we didn't, you know, it's not unfortunate and it's not something we, it's something we definitely do think about as a group, but, you know, we've had through COVID as we all have had, we've had a lot of downtime and, and time to put that yeah. behind us. And I guess, you know, one of the fortunate things is for this season, you know, getting the chance to play and our, you know, pretty remarkable what our players did to, you know, win, just continue to win games. Like even down the stretch, we were really banged up, and you know, every day they really treated it like it was a special year. Like they really wanted to prove to everybody what uh, what kind of what type of team we did have, and for them to, I mean, win twenty and twenty three is pretty pretty incredible on its own. And um, you know, the type of season that it ended up being too gave us an opportunity as an organization for our team to look a lot different than it probably would have if we were going for it and you know that gave us a chance to really play some younger players a lot more than they probably would have got the opportunity to play in you know mm -hmm. so from that standpoint it's really set us up for an opportunity next year and you know i think if uh, we get a couple guys back that um are some of our marquee players from from nhl teams we'll see what happens there if we get those guys back i think we're going to have a, a real opportunity to uh, do something special again Kurt Hill joining us, the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Uh, have to ask you about Dylan Gunther, who uh, you only had for half the year, uh, but he still had a pretty good year. I mean, he had, what, two points per game, uh, 24 points, 12 goals, 12 assists. Uh, went to Texas for the U18 uh, Worlds and helped Canada win a gold medal. But uh, what what growth did you see out of Dylan this year? And uh, and by the way, he's the fifth, uh, fifth best North American skater heading into this uh this draft year which is going to be next month which is tremendous for dylan 
yeah, coming back into camp this year, I think the biggest thing was you could tell, you know, the, the, the elite players took advantage of the 11 months off and he was one of those guys, and, you know, his strength and conditioning just, he, he started to mature a little bit more, get stronger in those areas, which really helped his skating improve a lot more. I felt, um, you know, one of the things I noticed through those, those, uh, you know, the short sample of games when he was here with us. And then even when I watched him play at the U 18s was I thought his game really started to round out, um, but even more than it. I mean, he's already an elite player, but I thought his, his total, his complete game, started around out more and when I say that I mean you know just his commitment to, to playing in the defensive zone a little bit harder and, and stronger and you know even at the U18s and even for us his penalty kill game kind of took it took to the next level and you know so for an elite scorer that he is an elite playmaker that he already is I thought he started to add some of those other intangibles to his game to really round him out and make him a real complete player. Sebastian Cosa I mean what what can't you say about him? I mean, there's so many things you could say on the positive side. He's the first uh, ranked North American goaltender. Uh, it's funny because some people are looking at where the Oilers are drafting and going, hmm, Sebastian Costa might be available if the Oilers want him. I find that interesting. I won't ask you about that. I'll just ask you about the player. But uh, what was it, 17-1-1 record? I, I, did, did he lose in regulation this year? Do I have that record right? He lost the one game in regulation now. Yeah. yeah. But under, like, well under uh, two for goals against average, and I think what a nine-four-one save percentage. I mean, that, that's outstanding. I mean, what, what have you seen out of Sebastian this year? Well, you know what? It almost extends back into the, the season before when he was playing too. It, it's, you know, he he's been. The, extremely consistent since he's come to this league at the end of the day that's probably the, the, the biggest thing for him and you know for a bigger guy like he's six six on skates he's even taller it's you know sometimes you see those goalies they they get a little bit leaky and they're they're really big when they start to stretch out they get holy and they have a tough time controlling rebounds but you know his athleticism and ability to smother pucks is it's incredible for his size and uh, he just again his work ethic and practice is the next level and um, you know, his extracurricular workout activity, you know, cool down stretches, his off season training, he's just really taken everything to that next level to understand the opportunity that's in front of him and, and really want to be a pro player. But, you know, the one thing for us as a group, I think from him, if you come to the games, he, he talks all game to our defensive core. He really brings a, a leadership style from from the back from the net almost like a third defenseman back there and again it's the consistency you know you know when you're starting sebastian costa and that what kind of effort you're going to get that night yeah it, it just just tremendous and, and a great kid we've had him on this show a few times and uh i know reed reed and i just love love having him on and you know very good head on his shoulders for sure uh we got to remember too that these are kids and there's a schooling aspect of, of, of being a player. Ethan Peters wins Scholastic, Scholastic Player of the Year. Uh, tell me about Ethan and, and the fact that he's able to keep his nose to the grindstone with his studies. Yeah, you know, it's been uh, for Ethan. I mean, he's a guy that we didn't draft. We ended up, he was a free agent list for our group. And, you know, our scouting staff did a tremendous job finding him. Um, and yeah, just a very, very smart young man. He's uh, <laughs> to keep his nose. I think, I think this year for every, for all the players, it was a great year to be able to focus on your, your studies because really you're going from the rink back to your billet house and you got lots of time to focus on that. But I think if, even if it was a regular year, 
Ethan would have done. I don't think his average would have wavered much. He's, uh, you know, he's he's pretty smart when it comes to that. And our education advisor, Sharon Serena, does a does a fantastic job with keeping our guys engaged in their studies. And you know, I know our, our older guys take university courses while they're they're playing here. And uh, you know, for a first year player like Ethan, when you move away from home, and you know, it can be a bit of a learning curve, but. Uh, you can see, uh, obviously, from the 94-plus average that uh, he's got a strong commitment to school and, and won a well-deserved uh, award from the league. So what's next for you? I know it's off-season, but your work's never done. So uh, what's coming up for you that uh, you got to take care of? Yeah, some of the staff have been meeting. You know, we're just getting ready for next season. September 1st will be the open-up training camp, and that's kind of the date that we're uh, – you know, moving towards right now, I have a couple uh, positions we need to fill with Brian Cheeseman moving over to the to the Elks and our, uh, mm-hmm. our video coach uh, position being opened and looking to do hire a few positions there. And uh, June 30th is the CHL import draft. So we have uh, one import coming, um, a Czech player coming. He's going to be a 20-year-old for us next year, Simon Kubitschek, and we'll have to make one more selection in the import draft and try to add a player to our group that can come and help make an immediate impact for us next year wow september 1st that's not that far away that's unbelievable <laughs> so but uh hopefully hopefully we're getting back to normal here it is trending the right direction because uh it would be nice just to see the the normalcy back but uh, i'm again i'm really happy that uh, the kids got to, to to have a season you got to see your players in action in a, a third straight central division title so that's uh that's a, a very good achievement kurt nice to chat with you again okay thank you so much for your time tonight yeah, thanks for having me, and enjoy the enjoy the rest of your summer. Thank you very much. You as well. Kurt Hill, general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, joining us. So it's 1-1, uh, Colorado and Vegas. This is uh, quite the eventful game so far, as uh, Devon Tave scored his first goal of the playoffs for the Avalanche. That goal came 23 seconds in, and then Nick Holden, uh, not even a minute later with his first of the postseason. So it's 1-1 in the first period of play. Uh, by the way, Jared Bednard, the uh, coach of the Avalanche, he uh, was not made available at the uh, for the Zoom, the Zoomer this morning, because there was some speculation about, uh, you know, maybe a COVID-19 discrepancy or whether there was a concern about a test, but uh, everything's good with him. He is on the bench tonight with uh, this game, 1-1. Vegas trying to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal to play the Montreal Canadiens, the Avalanche. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline trying to force the game seven on Saturday. Devin Shore on orders now with Bob Stoffer earlier today says no doubt we are looking to improve on our results next that's season. That's exactly right. Um, the, the, the line 
within all 31 teams, to be honest, is very small. And especially when you get into that playoff tournament, it gets exponentially smaller. And, and I thought we played good hockey for long stretches in that series. Obviously, the, the three overtime games, but we're, we're not going to we're not going to use it as an excuse by any means. We we want results, and and we all want to win. And and uh, and we we didn't get the result. But at the same time, we're not going to dwell on it, and, and it's a good reminder of how close we are. And, and I thought we had a good team meeting towards the end of the year and that, that we, we, we took steps, and it, it's, it's not something that happens overnight. Like I said, certainly not going to use it as an excuse. We, we're in a results business, and you know, we we gotta, we got to be better. But there's, there's a lot to be optimistic about. And, and, uh, and, and yeah, like I, I, uh, from my standpoint, I believe we're right there. So Devin Shore signing a two-year deal yesterday worth $850,000. Oh, I'm looking forward to this tomorrow. We're going to be joined by Kevin Hodson. Uh, he's from Calgary, and he's up for the uh, Willie O'Ree Award. Uh, it runs the Heroes Program. It's Hockey Education Reaching Out Society, empowers at-risk youth. It's companion program, Superheroes. Uh, provides boys and girls living with physical and cognitive challenges with a safe and inclusive environment. So uh, we're going to talk to him tomorrow night on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, if you want to vote on the uh, Willie O'Ree Award, you can go to nhl.com uh, slash fans slash Willie O'Ree Award, and uh, you can vote from there, and you can see the other two candidates as well. So looking forward to having Kevin Hodson on the show tomorrow. We're going to talk a little MMA, a little UFC. Tanner, the bulldozer bozer, has been a guest on this show in the past and unfortunately did not get the result that he deserved on the weekend at a UFC event in Vegas. And we're also going to talk about a really cool grad ceremony at REMAX Field for 190 kids from Vimy Ridge Baseball Academy. So you hear about that next half hour, the final half hour, 6.30 Chet Inside Sports on this Thursday. It is Campbell in for Wilkins. for Reed Wilkins tonight be around tomorrow as well Reed will be back uh, at some point we're not sure when because uh, we're going to be carrying Stanley Cup semi-final action starting as early as the weekend for sure next week so uh, we'll keep you posted on days and times as they become available 1-1 the Avs and the Vegas Golden Knights uh, with about seven and a half minutes left to go in the first period of play Devon Taves is first for the uh, for the Avalanche, very early in the game, like seconds into the game, and then at the 115 mark, Josh Holden scored his first of the series uh, or the playoffs for the uh, for the Golden Knights. So uh, two goals in a minute and 15 seconds, uh, uh, no goals since then. The uh, Certainty Hotline, professional grade building materials, pro all the way. The hotline brought to you by CertainTeed. We head there now, and we uh, are pleased to welcome back a, uh, a guest we have had a few times on this show. Uh, from Bonneville, now calls Edmonton home. It is UFC fighter uh, Tanner the Bulldozer Bozer. Tanner, it's nice to have you back on the show. Uh, when I ask you how you're doing, uh, I, I'm not sure what, what you're going to say <laughs> because you, you had a tough result on the weekend. 
Hey, yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, always good to be on your guys' show. Uh, yeah, I did. I had, uh, had a fight that went to decision again, and uh, I was on the wrong end of a decision that I think a lot of people thought might have been the wrong one. Yeah, uh, so let's set the stage here. Uh, you, you fought Sweden's uh, Elir Latifi uh, on a fight night card, and you had a split decision. Uh, the judges scored it 28-29, 29-27, 28-29 in that split decision, even though you had a 45-10 advantage with strikes. I know, uh, I know your opponent had uh, more ground time, but he didn't really do much. Uh, I will read what Brett Kissel said after. Uh, Brett Kissel is a uh, good friend of the show here. I don't agree with the decision. I think the judges suck, but we're behind Tanner and can't wait to watch his star rise in the UFC. And I, I watched the fight today. Um, I can't repeat what you said on uh, on family radio because uh, <laughs> I know what you said after the decision was made, but. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's tough to know where to go with this, just because you know. Like, I feel in a judge sport, especially in in the fight world, when it like you overwhelmingly dominated that fight, and I think for yourself, you gotta wonder. I would be wondering, like, like what are they looking for? Yeah. So MMA is judged round by round. The winner of of a round is awarded ten points. Whoever you think won the round is awarded ten points. In rare, very rare instances, it, it never happens, so I don't even know why it's a thing. They can give an even round. They can give a 10-10 or a 9-9 round. I don't remember which it is. But there's, every time a round's done, the judge picks who they want, 10. The person who lost the round gets 9, unless you beat them up really bad, drop the person or almost finished them. Uh, mm -hmm. dominated them completely, they might get eight. In extremely rare instances, it's seven. Again, this is like a, a phenomenal, like it's really rare. Eight, the, the, that happens. That 10-8 round happens in a very dominant round. So what happened is in round two, I quite clearly won the round. Impossible not to give me it. So I had a, the one judge that scored it for me gave me a 10-8 in round two because I almost finished him, right? He went down after I punched him in the eye. And then I swarmed him. I wasn't able to get him out of there. To his credit, he is extremely tough because I, after the fight, I found out he hasn't recovered all the vision in his left eye where I punched him there, where he recoiled and went down. And also I broke his arm in two places with a kick. So the guy's tough as nails. Um, the one judge that gave me the fight gave me a 10-8 round, uh, and the other two gave me a 10-9. Round three, well, he took me down reasonably early, uh, held me in guard, and I wasn't able to get up. Frustrating. Uh, he won that round clearly. All the judges gave it to him as a 10-9. He controlled the round. Uh, round one is what it all came down to, where I yeah. did outstrike him, and I know I was hurting him. Well, I mean, I broke his arm in that round, he says. He says that's the round where he ate the kick, but again, poker face. I didn't know I did that. Uh, but he took me down. He took me down for uh, I don't know, a minute and a half or under two minutes, but he landed zero strikes while I was on the ground and attempted zero submissions. And I was able to get back to my feet and then continue to dominate the fight on my feet, control him by, you know, I was the one moving forward. I'm the aggressor and I'm the one landing the strikes. So rounds are supposed to be awarded based on effective striking, grappling, aggression, and octagon control, like effective striking, grappling in that order and I was yeah. landing the damage. He effectively controlled me for a minute and a half, but it was positional. There was no damage. So it's, it's frustrating to me, yes, that I 
only one judge thought that I had round one. And that's what it came down to. Yes, it's a judge sport, and it's real easy for everybody to sit back and say, well, you shouldn't let it go to the judges. You just finish them. Yeah, thanks. You know, I was uh, <laughs> the name of the game. I was trying. Sometimes it takes more than 15 minutes to simulate and kill one of the best fighters in the world. So went to decision, and it didn't go my way. Yeah, it's easy to say it's another thing to actually do it, and you actually do it. So, you know, I, I trust you when you say uh, it, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing just to finish your opponent when he's, you know, he's pretty good too. Um, I, I want to ask you about, so you said in round three, he effectively had you on the ground. You weren't able to get up. So, hey, no problem there. But in the first round when you were, when you were on the ground, he did nothing. I mean, he basically just sat there and you were on the ground. No, he, were you so surprised? He, right. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, no, in round one, he was he didn't attempt a submission. There was no submission attempt, and he didn't land strikes. Yeah. But he passed my guard. He passed the half guard, and he actually passed the side control, which is a dominant position for... Uh, it's when you're laying on top of someone perpendicular. There's uh, mm -hmm. attacks you can do from there, the Americana and the Kimura arm locks, certain chokes. You can, you can attempt to pass the mount. There's short elbows from there, et cetera. So he passed to a more dominant position, which he, he didn't do anything offensive with but it allowed me to work more escapes. So I, I'm better at getting up from half guard and side control, actually. And some of the small guys do good at, at attacking uh, submissions when they're on their back from guard. But as heavyweights, it's, um, it's kind of a different game. And uh, Latifi is built like a fridge. So in round three, when he had taken me down, and he actually, he did pass the half guard, and I wasn't quite able to get up. I almost did. I had my underhook. I was working for it. His corner screamed at him to unpass, basically, go back to guard, which was intelligent. And he went back to guard, and he didn't uh, pass. He didn't look to do damage, didn't look to posture. So when you're posturing, it creates space. When you're trying to, like, punch damagingly, it creates space. Well, it's risky for me. I don't want to get knocked out there. It does create the space right. where I might be able to get up or, you know, change my position. Uh, it it kind of sucks. I feel like with a crowd uh, booing, the ref probably stood up because there wasn't a time going on in round three. But again, <laughs> I I mean, it's something clearly. Uh, it's something I got to work on. But there's certain things certain guys are good at, and a guy, uh, you know, a national champion wrestler like Latifi with his build, being 5'10", 240, try getting out from under that guy. You know, Derek Lewis didn't do it very much. The ref stood it up for him a couple times. He got lucky. Ref didn't stand it up for me. So be it. Tanner, the uh, bulldozer Bozer joining us, a UFC heavyweight who is uh, from Bonneville now, resides here in Edmonton, joining us tonight on 630 Chet Inside Sports. So unfortunately, that was your second straight UFC loss. You have one fight left on your UFC contract. Um, do you kind of do you kind of feel like your your next fight is going to be uh, one of those game seven type fights for yourself or, or like like how, how do you approach it here because that that was a tough fight to lose because if you win then maybe you know maybe you, get, you give yourself a little bit of margin there right yeah no not maybe if i would have won and i don't mean even if i would have done something different in the fight if one more of those judges would have seen it my way unfortunately yeah, yeah i would have uh, i would have had a lot of cushion i would have i would have got a new contract and I wouldn't be on the chopping block. But, yeah, you, good way to put it. Game seven, it is. It's kind of do or die here. I'm coming off of two losses. Last fight on the current contract. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's for all the marbles, the next one.
Yeah. Do you know when the next one will be yet, or is that just that has to be determined yet? I don't, but I hope it's in the summer. I'm asking for July, and the only way I could get July would be if uh, someone gets hurt. So there's there's a handful of heavyweight fights booked. If somebody gets hurt or drops out of the fight for whatever reason, it's possible with enough notice. I don't mean, I mean enough notice where I can get out of the country and book COVID hotels and do all that garbage that I might be able to uh, get there in time for the fight. But barring that, I'm hoping August, July or August, I want to get back. I'm not hurt at all, and mm-hmm. I I want to I want to figure it out. I want to I need to go get that win and and right the ship, or else rip the bandaid off. I don't like sitting in purgatory here. Yeah, no question. Tanner, uh, you know what? You've been a great guest here in the past and uh, continues tonight. Uh, I, I, you know, I can tell you're disappointed, but I appreciate that you're a uh, you know, stand-up individual about this and um, really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to having you on the show here very, very soon, okay? And uh, when that next fight happens, all the best, okay? Right on. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the time. That's a Tanner, the bulldozer Bozer, who is a UFC heavyweight uh, who resides in Edmonton. He's from Bonneville, and uh, yeah, tough result on the weekend. Uh, no question that he was uh, he was wronged in that heavyweight tilt. He was definitely the better fighter, but the judges didn't see it that way. And when you're in a judge sport, that's the frustrating part that you have to deal with, right? So. Hopefully, he can uh, get it done in his next fight. Well, we're going to talk about something really cool that's going to be happening at REMAX Field tomorrow, thanks to the Edmonton Riverhawks. Find out next. It's the end of the first period of play in Vegas. The Knights and the Avalanche tied at one in game six of the Pacific Division final. The Avs trying to force a game seven on Saturday. The Knights looking to wrap up the series and face the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup semifinal. Well, it's grad season. And uh, yeah, there's uh, we're kind of in the same boat as we were last year. Or maybe a little bit different, but uh you know, tough for a lot of uh, kids with with grads, and you're going to see a lot of you know different style of grad ceremonies. Well, how about how about this story uh, with Vimy Ridge and the fact that 190 baseball players or, or, or kids from that program have a chance to check out Remax Field tomorrow? And we're joined by the coach of the Vimy Ridge Baseball Academy, J- Jamie Wilson, on 6:30 Chet Inside Sports. Jamie, thanks for coming to, on the show tonight. How are you? Hey, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on tonight. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Well, this is pretty cool. And, I, you know, I know you, you'd hope to take your players down to check out the field, but they're going to have a grad ceremony tomorrow. Like, how did this come about? Yeah, I mean, hey, we've been uh, dealt some pretty short straws here over the last what, 18 months or so. And uh, as, uh, as Vimy Ridge Academy, we're looking for a good place to go. And understanding that uh, Dr. Randy Gregg and the Riverhawks crew have taken over the the lease there at Remax, we uh, jumped on the opportunity, considering we we're working out of there or planning on working out of there in the near future here. So we jumped on board. We touched base with Brian Gregg there, and we managed to make it happen. So when now, now did you talk to Randy personally? Yeah, absolutely. He's actually been my baseball coach for the last four or five years. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Um, so tell me when he had this suggestion. 
uh, for you to come down. I mean, what what was your reaction? I mean, uh, oh, I was pretty blown away. You know, it's pretty it's pretty nice to have a city like that uh, that gives back to gives back to the community like this. And I mean, compared to last year, um, all the teachers had to drop off individual grad boxes to all of our grade twelve graduates. So having an opportunity to celebrate their graduation in a, at a local facility is amazing and uh, you know pristine as the Remax field, especially with the new renovations there. I mean, we were blown away with the opportunity and I know a lot of these kids tomorrow morning are going to wake up pretty excited and I'm sure the families are going to be just excited. All right, now tell me when the kids found out, when you told the kids, uh, tell me about their reaction. I mean, uh, nothing but smiles there really and a couple of high fives went around. Like I'm pretty sure like just the re- like the rest of us here, uh, we thought there was going to be uh, not, my, not many options available. So having this opportunity is surreal for these kids. And, uh, you know, they get to go out with a bang here and really celebrate their uh, their 12 years at school. Jamie Wilson joining us, the coach at Vimy Ridge Baseball Academy uh, here on 630 Chet Inside Sports, talking about a, a really cool opportunity to take 190 of his of his kids uh, down to uh, Remax Field tomorrow and take part in a grad ceremony. Uh, tell me about just how tough the last year or two has been for from your perspective uh, being a coach at the Vimy Ridge Baseball Academy and and uh, just what the kids have gone through here with this pandemic yeah I mean hey um, it hasn't been an easy uh, easy path or an easy journey for these kids over the last two years and you know I must give credit where credit is due and these kids are resilient they're ready to take on the world with considering the curveballs excuse the pun there uh, that they've had to face there and uh no, I mean, it's, it's been a big challenge going going from in-person to online to being shut down to coming back and then continuously adjusting and pivoting. So, I mean, if these kids can get through these last couple of years, they're going to be, you know, remarkable humans out in the workforce and out in the real world. Tell me about today being a, a pretty important day for, for the sporting world too with uh, with Phase 2 or Stage 2 opening up. Uh, it's it's going to mean you're, you, you're going to be able to kind of go back to what you're used to doing, and that is, you know, having kids uh, learn the game of baseball and you be able to coach them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a long time coming. You know, the kids this morning were very, very excited, and uh, we, have a, uh, we have plenty of programs running out of Emmy Ridge, and I know our hockey guys are, I'm more than excited and more ecstatic than ever to get back on some ice and our ringette program there too. And, you know, the kids have been waiting for this moment now for about a year and a half. So uh, Vimy Ridge is, is grateful for, for the news today and uh, we're, we're ready to rock and roll for tomorrow and the last couple of weeks here of school. And then again in the spring, I know the kids will be itching to get back. Well, you know, um, you couldn't have picked the perfect day because tomorrow – it's been a it's been a tough week with the rain, but you're going to hit it right tomorrow. I think it's going to be a beautiful day and a beautiful night. And uh, man, what an experience! And I think it just speaks to the fact, you know, first, Dr. Randy Gregg is a tremendous human being, and for for him to be giving you this opportunity, he deserves a lot of credit. And it just speaks to the fact that baseball players get excited about going to a pretty cool facility in Remax, and that's why we have Remax Field is, is is for opportunities like this. So I'm really excited for you, Jamie, and I'm really excited for 190 of your students. So, uh, hey, enjoy it tomorrow. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of kids and maybe yourself that's going to have a, a, bit, a bit of trouble sleeping tonight, but that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, we're super excited, and yeah, hey, like I was mentioning before, we're, we're very grateful for the opportunity to, to use Remax Field and within our community, and we continue to have the uh, hopes that we can uh, continue to work there and uh, use that facility for our community. Thanks so much, Jamie. I really appreciate your time tonight. Have fun tomorrow. Thanks, Thanks, mate.
Jamie Wilson, the uh, coach at Vimy Ridge Baseball Academy. Pretty cool. And, uh, you know, you know, just picked up some information about just what, uh, what has been happening at uh, Remax Field. It's, uh, it's a new multi-million dollar turf at Remax. The estimate is about $2.5 million. There's still renovations underway, including a new scoreboard. Uh, that is being tested off-site, new LED lighting, which is still being ins uh, installed, new netting that is already in place, luxury suites being overhauled, and uh, they're planning at some point to uh, show off uh, or to show it off with an open house. And uh, But, you know, they're still, they're still renovating, and there's going to be a chance for uh, a patio concert series. Uh, my understanding here is it's already been booked. There might be larger concerts despite, uh, depending on health restrictions and there will be some baseball. There's senior AAA being planned, a brand new rec league to private bookings where they can come down and play, uh, play scrub and, you know, have a, have some beer. And, uh, as we wait for the river Hawks to, uh, launch next year in 2022. And so this is all a part of Dr. Randy Gregg and we've had him on the show a few times, he wants to give back to the community. It's about sprucing up the ballpark so it's up to standard. It's a world-class facility. Uh, it's good for baseball. It's good for hosting a, a number of events, and it's to give back to the community. And we have it right here, a good example tonight just now with uh, with Jamie Wilson at Vimy Ridge Baseball Academy. 190 kids are going to have a lot of fun tomorrow, along with Jamie and maybe a few others. All right, scoreboard tonight. Uh, the... Hockey game is still in the first intermission, 1-1. The Knights and the, uh, actually, it's 2-1 now. William Carlson scored at the 15:06 mark. Uh, I missed that. So his fourth of the playoffs. So Carlson has his uh, Knights up 2-1 in the, uh, going into the second period of play. If the Knights win, they're off to the Stanley Cup semifinal. If the Avs win, it is game seven on Saturday. NBA tonight. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks with a 64-61 lead on the Brooklyn Nets with the Nets leading the series two games to none. Just getting underway in Utah, Jazz at home to the Clippers with a one game to none lead in their second round Western Conference playoff series. Blue Jays 3-2, uh, they're down in the bottom of the sixth inning. Connor McDavid nominated for the Hart Trophy with Nathan McKinnon and Austin Matthews and CFL return to play protocol approved by the players. So we have a tentative deal in place subject to a ratification vote by the board of governors on monday if that vote goes through we are going to have a 2021 season a 14 game season likely starting on august 5th with training camp beginning around july 10th thanks to producer brendan clack our technical producer kellen kennedy my name is dave campbell and for reed wilkins one more show tomorrow before i gotta hand the reins off and we're looking forward to it uh lots of good stuff planned have a great night Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.